Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Bubble Brothers Podcast, NBA, Roto-Grinders, Morning Grind. I'm Justin Carlucci with Chief Will Priester. It's been a while, my man. I know you went to a Hornets game and we had Andre fill in for you for a night and it could have been better timing after the massive week our guy Boogie had. Man, he was crushing it. Multiple sports across the industry. So what's going on, Chief? Give us an update. How was your extended hiatus from the Roto-Grinders NBA Morning Grind? What you been up to? Well, first of all, the game was good. I, I Listen, I love going to the uh, Spectrum Spectrum Arena, the Spectrum Center. It, it's, it's always a good time. I uh, was very disappointed that the Hornets just wet the bed against the Bulls. Nonetheless, I got a chance to see Zach Levine in person for the first time and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Vucevic, man. Like, and look, I've been at NBA games before. Like, I've I've gone to tons of NBA games. And it always amazes me, Luch, that when you watch an NBA game, how quietly guys score 30 points, right? I was at a Hawks-Utah game, and I saw Donovan Mitchell just quietly pop off for, like, 35 points sitting courtside one game. Uh, That was a couple years ago when I was in Atlanta. And this game... Luch did, I mean, uh, Vooch didn't quite get to 30, but he was at 29. Such a quiet 29, Luch. You didn't even realize it. You looked up at the scoreboard at the end of the night and said, oh, my God, Vooch has got like 29 and 15. It was just so quiet. Uh, one of the most efficient performances I've seen. Vooch looked good, man. He's a fantastic player. Can really stroke it, right? Uh, got a chance to see him get in the pick and roll. It's nothing like seeing it live, right? Where I see him just abused. The Charlotte Hornets defense, pick, step out, catch it, drop the three, bang. I mean, just a whole lot of that all night around the rim, Luch. Barely jumps off the ground. Barely jump. I mean, it was a magical performance, man. Uh, LaMelo didn't play well that night. It was P.J. Washington, uh, baby narrative night. I mean, he was stroking threes. Everything he put up was, you know, uh, uh, was a splash. We just couldn't quite pull out. The win got a chance to see some hammers, got a chance to see some some beautiful dunks. But overall, man, crazy good experience. Um, one of the things that I think was interesting is when you when you buy a ticket. Once you buy a ticket, they only have certain areas available where you can sit anyway. And if you buy a ticket, then you're grouped away from another group. So like you don't get to sit with people. Like they've got it blocked off. So it was pretty cool, and, and I think that was a great way to get you know. Uh, fans back in the arena so i i like what's happening and um you know let's go let's go hornets yeah man and vooch doesn't matter if he can't fit a phone book under his feet when he jumps the guy's an assassin (laughs) it's crazy sunday Sunday night the game's winding down as we're recording has a quiet 27 and 14 and here's a guy who really worked on his game when he came in the league that jump shot wasn't always that pure we talked about brooke lopez over the weekend same kind of deal. Expand your game. Vooch wasn't always this three-point threat, but now he is the real deal. He's tough enough inside. He's deceptively big. I mean, he's seven feet tall. You don't think of Vooch as a guy who's going to just pound inside, but he can. Or he's got that baby finesse game or whatever you want. Underrated star in the league. And we were talking before the podcast, if Chicago has a third wheel to this thing, man, you talk about offensive firepower, Levine. Vooch, Kobe White, he's going to turn the corner. He's getting there. 
And they kind of compiled a, a handful of these role players. So once they figure out the right ones, you know, whether or not they're going to keep Thad or Mark Kennan, Patrick Williams had a really good rookie season. And maybe they add one or two other bench pieces. I think, I think Chicago will at least be like a six seed next year. I, I think they're going to, they're going to get in next year. And I think they, uh, they're going to be fun to watch. So I'm, I'm sorry. The, the game didn't end up in the favor of your beloved Hornets. That was on last Thursday, right? Is that when the game? Yeah. Was? And it, they've already lost another game since then. I mean, we went down to new Orleans tonight. There's just no excuse for this type of behavior at the end of the season when we want to get into the playoffs. I mean, guys, we got, we got to find ways to win. And that's how I know our team is still fairly young. I'm going to use, you know, Lucha's team here, the Sixers, as a scapegoat. The Sixers may play around, right? But what? But they're doing one thing that shows me that's what happens when you get experience. You've got players. They find ways to win even when they screw the pooch. And listen, they've been screwing it a lot lately. I, I don't know how some of these bottom feeder teams have been hanging in there, but they just hang in there all game. But the Sixers find a way at the end to just win. And guess what? That's what it's all about. I mean, let's take a page out of the Raiders book. Win, baby. That's what you got. You got to win. That's the old Raiders book. They haven't been doing a lot of that. Well, that that's what I meant. Not the new one. <laughs> Listen, I watch a lot of Sixers basketball and it's nothing new for those Sixers fans listening. Those double digit leads blown all the time. But the difference is under Brett Brown, when it was a circus, those were losses. Now they might blow a 20-point lead, and they do it fairly regularly. I don't know what the numbers are, but in terms of double-digit leads blown, the Sixers have to be towards the top of the list. They do find ways to win these games now. What I'm more impressed about is the way Joel Embiid really is carrying himself. I have no problem with him being a troll. I love it. It's fun. Everybody has a little fun in the association. Sometimes he does take it a little bit too far, but – Really, he's maturing, and I think a lot of it is he respects Doc Rivers and the way this team's going, and they brought in talent to help him. He's really put in a lot more work than probably the public realizes or wants to admit because now he's very poised in the post. What a difference a year and a half makes. That double team used to come. He'd panic, throw the ball away, take dumb shots. Now he's calm, cool, collected. He knows where people are in this Doc Rivers offense. But after the game the other night, one of these almost screwing the pooch moments where the Sixers held on and won. I mean, they've barely beaten a bunch of teams that were missing half of their roster. They barely beat the Pelicans who were missing Ingram and Zion and Steven Adams the other night. Well, but they found a way to win. You know, a couple of days ago, uh, I think it was the Spurs. And there's another team who sat a bunch of guys. Same deal. But after the game, Embiid pretty much owned it. He said, I need to be better. Gave very mature responses, you know, smiled, gave a little bit of sarcasm here or there, but it wasn't just a total joke to him. And I think the the biggest response was, I don't remember exactly what he said, but, uh, you know, the guys on TV, Mark Zumoff, great Philly commentator, by the way, asked, you know, are you the league's MVP? And he basically gave just a team-oriented response, you know, and like halfway through he said, yeah, I think I'm the MVP, but I'm very confident. But really, I'm worried about the bigger picture. You know, we have a good shot to win a title. This team is very good. And that, to me, shows, in a nutshell, just from hearing what these younger players are saying, and you're a coach, 
So you see, you see literal kids grow in high school and, you know, you have high school reporters and people, kids that talk to the media and stuff. I'm a reporter. I used to cover sports and, you know, there's games where I've had coaches kind of baby their kids and then, you know, stand right over their shoulder. And other times, you know, they let, you know, they let their leaders go and man, it's nice to see them grow before your eyes. So I think it is two things for the Sixers. You nailed it. They're figuring out a way to win. Any win in the NBA is a solid win. And uh, even though it's not pretty, but, the Sixers are going to be tough. We talked about Brooklyn. We can talk about some playoffs towards the end of the podcast. Brooklyn's a hot mess right now, Chief, in terms of health, right? So It's getting hot in here. So hot. Hot mess. Take hot off all your mess. clothes. Hot mess. Listen. Hot mess like nightmare. Melissa at the bar at Beat the Clock Night on a Thursday night. Whew. It, it's rough in Brooklyn, man, but we'll, t- we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Oh, God. So quick recap. Sunday night, in a nutshell, with this main slate, a couple guys crushed, but there are more players not meeting value. It's going to be a low-scoring night, and I'm uh, assuming – I'm looking at the FanDuel monster. I'm assuming like 330, 350 maybe might win the monster, and we've seen about three weeks straight of 400-plus around having to take things down, but – and it's a lot of high-owned guys not doing it, right? We just talked about this. Just to go over a few, I'm looking at monster ownerships. LaMelo, great first half, ended with 35. 7,700, won't kill you. Not what you're looking for. 59% in the monster. Uh, a big one was Mo Bamba. I was wrong about Mo Bamba. You were wrong about Mo Bamba. A lot of people were right about Mo Bamba. No one expected them to be trailing by 40 in this game. 18 fans will points, 36% owned. Luca, 36% owned, got ejected with 35 FanDuel points. Small forward was a dumpster fire. A lot of people just played Anthony Edwards on FanDuel for, for raw points. 8,837 FanDuel points. That hurts, too. And, that but hurts. they were up by 40. Yep. Would have dropped a 60, Burke. Yep. This game yep. was tight. But that's yep. volatility. That's sport. Yeah. Cat still played well. Cat did his damage. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell blows my mind, Chief. And I'll pass the mic. And, and, and he got ejected the game before, by the way. Just, just so you know. D'Angelo Russell might be on one of the shortest leashes throughout the regular season. He plays fourth quarter run tonight while they're up 40. What is that? I just need to know. What is that? Why? He got ejected the last game. I think he just wanted to play. Like, of course the- they all want to play, but I don't know. He's one of their biggest assets. Uh, it's just bizarre. It's just funny. Just funny. Uh, what are your takeaways from the slate? You know, uh, man, that New Orleans game, that hurt um, you as a, as a Charlotte fan. But how about Eric Bledsoe? Uh, did Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball switch bodies? That's what I want to know. Because I'm looking, I'm looking for Ball to have that type of performance, but – Look, man, Bledsoe had a good performance, 24 points, 11 assists, you know, a few more rebounds, and we would have been calling him t- tonight's Russell Westbrook. And by a few, I do mean I think nine. I think he only had one rebound. But either way, um, it, it is what it is, man. I mean, it, it's one of those slates where, guess what? I say, hey, congrats t- to the winner, and <laughs> we'll just run it back tomorrow. I mean, it is what it is. Run it back, run it back. Look, yeah, my I, I just I can't wait for the playoffs to start. I'm ready to get back into multi-entry. Like I, I realize how much I miss multi-entry 
now that I'm just kind of doing single entry. But look, I want to do it this way because I don't want all my time hogged up all night trying to make these changes as things evolve. But I, I'm definitely ready for the playoffs, man, to get back my, my multi-entry mojo. And that's the thing. You need to finish top less than 1% to have a very good night. You miss one player on your roster of eight or nine players, depending on site, and you're done. You you get one guy that hits three and a half times value, four times value, you're not going to take anything down. You might min cash. You're not going to take down a tournament. Multi-entering in the NBA right now is is the way to go, in my opinion. But, you know, I know you I'm busy. I throw in single-entry bullets. You miss one guy, you're toast. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you know? and I know that going in. On normal slates. Yeah, same here. I mean, on a night like Sunday, you might be able to miss a guy when there's six or seven guys, 30-plus percent that don't hit value. You might be able to miss one. Let me ask you this, Luke. I know we only got six games, so trust me, we're going to blow through this. Is it me or is it that on the weekend, it always seems like these weird, stupid things happen? <laughs> it feels like that every weekend to me. Like, we go through the week, Monday through Friday, it's like – the NBA players are just like regular workers, right? They go through Monday Monday through Friday games. Everything feels normal. Then the weekend comes and things are all out of whack. What say you? I say that I have a really good friend who works in the industry, does content somewhere else. His name is Jake Barton. Very talented. Shout out to Jake. And every time I, I text him a screenshot of potential, you know, lineup building or just, hey, um, what do you think about these numbers? He says, I'm going to delete your number if you keep texting me about playing NBA on the weekends. He's like, just don't do it. It's the worst. And it's exactly what you just said. He said the most random stuff happens weekend NBA. Like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me till Monday. Let me know. Monday main slate. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll uh, unblock you. Is it those lemon pepper barbecue wings? Is that what it is? It, it's got to be. People are following Lou Williams into the strip club. Tell them to stay away. Stay well, away, Lou, guys. Lou Will's barely seen any burn, so he might be spending the most time there. Who are his <laughs> That's why he's Twitter? in Atlanta. Who are his friends <laughs> on Twitter? We'll see who's going to the strip club with Lou Williams. <laughs> Lou Williams, that's why he can't get in the game. He's staying at a special place. Tell him to get out of there. Did he, what's going on with him? Did he just lose a step? Couldn't get on the court in Los Angeles. They were missing half the team every other game. I don't think he lost a step. I just think, well, okay, he is getting older, but I, I think he, he he needs to have a more defined role on the team that needs him or feels like they need him. Atlanta doesn't need Lou Will, right? They, they don't need him. I'm going to tell you what Lou Will could benefit playing right now. Sure. Gonna be sure. No, no, <laughs> no. Actually, not. He could actually benefit going back to LA. They have no real six man. Let me tell you why I say that. I know Montrez Harrell is there, but that team isn't set up for him to be a type of six man that Lou Will could be for that team with some firepower. Or watch this: a team like Phoenix, right? Where he could come off the bench and be like the old school Jamal Murray. I mean, uh, uh, Jamal uh, Crawford, and just yeah. come in and torch people. Like th- these are the types of teams that need him. Not that Phoenix is struggling, but can you imagine if they had a bona fide six man like Lou Will that could come off the bench and get them some buckets when Chris Paul happens to struggle once every sixty games? And I'm not exaggerating. Chris Paul doesn't struggle much. When, when Devin Booker's shots not falling, right? When DeAndre Ayton is just checked out and he's on Mars somewhere, 
a guy that can come in and ignite this team, get them 15 or 20 real points and keep them afloat until they can get some good mojo. I'm telling you, I, I, I think the Suns would be a good place for Lou Will to go. When he's on Mars. That sounds like a podcast title. If anybody can set up a meme of DeAndre Ayton on Mars and just uh, post it on Twitter to us, that would be awesome. Just, you know, something Photoshopped real quick. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Speaking of Lou Will and his Hawks, let's dive into the six games. Damn, we'll have let's some get shen- it. We'll have some what a segue. Again. We will. We will. All right. It's Wizards Chalk Night. Wizards Chalk Night. Welcome back. It's Monday. This should have been a weekend game with the Wizards Chalk, right? With all the finicky things that happened during weekend NBA. But we know Brad Beal is out. So here's a price discrepancy. Russell Westbrook is 11K on DraftKings. What is he on FanDuel? Well, five. 12-5. 12-4, excuse me. Don't want to mislead anybody. Got to take that $100 off. We get that discount, the the, pod, the, the Bubble Brothers pod discount. 12400 That's what we're looking at for, for Russell Westbrook on this slate. So tell me about Russell Westbrook on FanDuel. Do you have sticker shock? Are you locking him in in cash and tournaments, one or the other, both? Talk to me, Chief. I don't have sticker shock. We were paying 13K for Russell Westbrook when he was putting up these numbers in OKC. I'm just going to keep riding the way. Now, look, at some point, it's going to not be beneficial to play him, right? At some point, whenever that point is. But I think, you know, looking at this slate, it's a small slate. One, two, three, six games. Russell Westbrook is in play. No deal. It feels like he's guaranteed 60 with upside for 80 again. Yeah, this brings back the vintage Russ Westbrook OKC kind of chalk DFS nights when he was riding solo and with Beal out, and the Wizards are right there. You want to talk playoff picture, you want to talk some Wizards. They're right there. We'll talk a little playoff picture at the end. So I like that. I like that call. Who are some of these other value guys, Chiefs? I'm loading up uh, Roto Grinders Court IQ. Great tool right now because I want to look into something about this game real quick but talk to me about some of these other cheap pieces on the wizard side of the ball definitely Rui Hachimura like he's kind of almost an autoplay whenever Beal is out for me and it's just him and Westbrook and I know it's not just him and Westbrook but with Beal being out it's just going to open up so much more for him Uh, so I'm really excited about that I also I feel like Raul Nato should have a good game here I mean, you know, if, if he can get around that 30 to 35 minute range, I think we could have see a big game from him as well. And he would kind of be salary relief at 4,800. Um, so I think those are the three guys. I'm not really interested in Alex Lynn. I mean, Daniel Gafford, maybe, but like I just, he, Daniel Gafford is the guy that you just have to play every day for the random 40 point game in 15 minutes. Like that's what you're doing to him. Cause he, he's not a model of consistency by any means. But with Beal being out, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe he plays 22 minutes to give them a little bit more scoring punch. And those 22 minutes can balloon into 35 fantasy points-ish. That's asking a lot, and I know it is. But this this does feel like one of those slates where you play Daniel Gafford. So that that's kind of the approach I think I would take. Um, th- throw him definitely. I, I would definitely have Daniel Gafford in my MME build today. I think if you don't have Daniel Gafford today, you're doing it wrong. That's my opinion. No, I'm with you on the MME exposure. Like, if I'm multi-entering 100 lineups, 150, I'm not fading any of these 
pieces from my player pool. I'm going to set build rules where I don't have too many of them together, but I don't know who it's going to be. I do like Hachimura quite a bit with Beal off the court this season. Hachimura gets a 5% usage bump, which is huge, as does Russell Westbrook. You're at the point where you're thinking, can his usage even go up? The answer is yes. 5% bump. What else do you need to know about Russell Westbrook right there? Uh, And Bertans gets 3%. Obviously, when you take a guy like Beal off the court, there's going to be a ton of usage increase with the other players. But those are the notable ones. And I'm looking at these prices on DK. Love Hachimura at 4,900 without Beal. That 5% usage bump increase. He will be very popular. I think he'll be good chalk. But what I'm saying is, Raul Neto's 4,500. We've seen him go for 7x plus at that price without a main starter on Washington, such as Beal or Westbrook. Berton's 3,700, playing 30 minutes, doing nothing, but it could come. He could, by chance, grab five or six boards. A guy likes to get hot, usage increase. Alex Len coming off a monster game over the weekend. Classic hashtag weekend NBA stuff. Ish Smith, 3,300. Come on. Come on. If you can 1,000% tell me which one of these guys is exactly going to crush or two out of the five or four, whatever, like, good for you. Let me borrow your crystal ball and go for top dollar on eBay. So what I'm saying is, yeah, choose wisely in single entry, look at ownerships. But if I'm playing 100 lineups, Chief, I'm definitely not hitting the X button on any of these guys. I'm going to try to at least match the field and just be very selective with my build rules and how I'm constructing these lineups with these Wizards pieces. For sure. I mean, here's the other thing. We haven't even talked about Atlanta yet, which, which makes this game even more interesting Luch, have you looked at FanDuel pricing by any chance? Nope. Are we going to play the over-under game? <laughs> you already know it's coming. Trey Young, over-under, 8,800. It can't Trae be Young, less. Trey Young is 8,400 on this slate. Wow. Against Washington. And I just... He's at that. He's at that price now. We just have to play him, right? Like he he could, he could drop fifty in his sleep in this spot. It's possible. Kevin Herter forty seven hundred. Mm. Bogdanovich seventy three. Danilo Gallinari is priced up to sixty three, but that's because of these big games he's had the three in a row. So I, I understand what's happening there. John Collins sixty four hundred. Clint wow, Capella come on. Clint Capella seventy seven hundred. How do you exclude like, any of them from your player pool? We're we're getting real. Yeah. Like I, I'm almost at the point where this game just might get stacked on this slate. Like, like even guys that I wouldn't normally use, like Kevin Herter, I might just legit run Westbrook, Hachi, Trey Herter, Capella. Like you, you get what I'm saying? Like you can make it work because all these guys are so affordable. And then we'll figure the rest out later. Now, a lot of that is going to hinge on some of the Indiana news. Like, are these guys going to be out again? I get it. Uh, you know, Karis Levert's priced up. Anyway, I'm skipping ahead. But my point is, we, we've, we're going to get some news that's going to be earth-shattering tomorrow, and we know that. But that still does not take away from all my interest in this game. This is a big game, Lutz. Big game. And I think if you're multi-entering and, and doing builds, and you, you're trying to get contrarian – I. I I feel like you need this game to be a 40-point blowout if you're not willing to have exposure from it. So if you're making you know, a handful of bills, this is, this is the game to stack, for sure. But if you want to get funny with one of them, 
maybe you don't play this game at all, or maybe you take one or two of the value guys only, you know, cheap 3,500 type guys and just hope that Westbrook or, or whoever the other high price studs don't have enough time to get there. Cause that's the only way this game's not going to have tournament winning pieces to it is if it's a Minnesota 40 point game from Sunday night or something like that. Right. You saw Anthony Edwards go for 35 fan points, but look, it was a 40 point game. Like you said, he was well on his way to 50. And if you're newer and you're turning to this podcast and if you haven't been playing NBA and you're asking why Washington, why are we targeting Washington? They play at the highest pace in the league. They're 20th in defensive efficiency, which means the other team not only is going to get paced up, no matter who it is, the Wizards don't play great defense either. And, you know, if, from the, from just Trey Young and Atlanta and the buzz and Trey Young's flashing you, if you don't, if people don't actually look into us, the casual fan, if I said, do you think Atlanta is in the top half or bottom half in pace? You'd probably be like, oh, they have Trey Young. They probably play pretty fast. No, Atlanta is 22nd in pace. So this is a huge pace up spot for the Hawks, who you just told me are all underpriced for this matchup on FanDuel. Pretty much every one of them. I guess Bogdanovich's price is fair, but Collins too cheap. Trey Young should be Trey Young should be 9,500 in this matchup around, I think, probably. So yeah. that's why both sides of this game are good. Play the hell out of this game if you think it's going to be competitive. Are you with me on that boat? Yeah, I, I did my preliminary build. I have five players from that game currently. Five. And I, I could very well end up with six if I decided to play Collins. But, but I do have five right now. We were pretty close. I didn't look at the Hawks' salary until just now, and Trayum's 93 on DK, which is yeah. much better or more – it's more what's the word I'm looking for here? More appropriate for the matchup. More appropriate, yes. Agreed. Good word choice. So Trey Young's 93. Love it. Love it. Uh, you're gonna see big ownership in this game, and rightfully so. John Collins also 6,400. You know, doesn't really play 35 plus minutes anymore, but in this matchup, I think he has six times plus value for sure with the pace upgrade and you know, he's the guy who will run the court, so I'm not worried about that. Gallinari, 4,800 on DK Chief. What are your thoughts oh, on that price? That, so that's what I'm saying. Like, he's probably – you might have to play him on DK. On FanDuel, Gallinari is 6,300. So that, that's a huge discrepancy. Huge. Huge. You're going to see a ton of ownership on this game. Don't be surprised when you see it. If you think you're going to get this, if you think you're going to get a discount on anyone in this game, it's probably Bogdanovich because he's appropriately priced, I think, on both sites. And with yeah. Trey Young and John Collins both active, typically, and Gallinari now, typically it's like, well, when they're missing pieces, Bogdanovich gets the usage increase, right? But now he's like 7K plus on both sites. So I like Bogey for tournaments. I think you'll probably get the lowest ownership on him if I had to guess. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you 100%. And I will say this, Atlanta Hawks games at, in Atlanta are pretty fun. Like, that, that's probably one of the most fun, fun arenas I've been to. And, and I mean that. Like, you know, I, you know and I, I've, I've gone to a few arenas, but Atlanta's been the most fun. And I like the way the arena is set up, too, especially when, you know, when I'm spending money for tickets, I'm going to get food. I, I like the way I can just gently walk on you know uh walk down the baseline or walk court side walk right into 
uh, the restaurant there. I mean, it's fantastic the way the setup is. Not an Atlanta Hawks fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I do like the arena. They do have a good, fun game game environment. Well, hopefully it's a great game environment on Monday. I can't wait to see what the total is on this bad boy. This thing might push 250. It could. That's high, and that's a hot take, but it's probably – I'm going to go t- – I'm going to go 248 and a half oh, to open, good. to open. We'll check no, no, that two, out. Oh, yeah, I might go 248. Jeez, that's that's getting close, I think. We will check that out. In a game that might be a bit slower, the other 730 game, Indy and Cleveland. And, well, on DK, there's a lot of injury designations here. Darius Garland – did not play Sunday. Chetty Osman did not play Sunday. Larry Nance has been out. Torian Prince has been out. We know that. Isaiah Hartenstein didn't play Sunday. Windler didn't play Sunday. Kevin Love's on the second level back-to-back. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, man. Colin Sexton, 8,300 on DK. I don't mind that. I mean, he's a score-independent guy, but he could get there. And we talked about frequently how much of a mess the Pacers are defensively. If Kevin Love does sit, if he does, hypothetically, I love Jared Allen in this matchup at 6,800. If Kevin Love's in, don't love Allen as much. But if Kevin Love is out, this is a smash spot for Jared Allen. We'll have to wait and see if we get any news there. So that's the Cleveland side of things. And on the Pacers side of the ball, they're the new Raptors. They're, you know, Brogdon's had this tag. Turner's been out. Jeremy Lamb, we don't know from day to day. And Sabonis and Levert have just been two men on a mission the last week or so, Chief. Well, well the last few games, because clearly, you know, they must have listened to this podcast and decided to come out and play some basketball because, you know, we got on the, the Levert train <laughs> The day before, and I mean, man, was he he just let us down big time. They just got smoshed, and uh, and, and now you know they, uh, they they've come out like game. How, how funny is this? If you stack the Wizards Indiana game a week ago, you were in the money. You you knew at the end of the night, hey, no matter what happens, going to be a profitable night. Overtime, Westbrook goes off. All the Karis goes off. It's crazy. You roll the beautiful bean footage a week later, and you get the exact same results. Mind-blowing. That drives DFS players crazy. I mean, what in the world? And the only piece I had from that game, which was my fault, I, I, I should have known to play Westbrook. The only piece I had from that game was, was uh, Levert, and he just went absolutely bananas. I mean, just you, you just can't script it. I mean, for DFS purposes, that's just so fun, right? You stack a game, it comes back around. You say, yeah, let me just stack it again. And everybody goes off for 70. I mean, Westbrook had 80. Uh, uh, Beal had 60. Levert had 60. And, and Sabonis had 70. I mean, inc- I mean, just incredible. Like, just from a fantasy perspective, you can't make this up. At any rate, uh, Indiana, yes, they are the new Raptors. I don't know what's going to happen with this team, uh, quite frankly. I don't even know if I want to know because these guys are going to play second fiddle to our Washington Atlanta guys on this slate, but I will have much interest in Levert again. I will have much interest in Demodis Sabonis if these guys sit. If they sit, I'm interested because they're going to get all the usage, all the shots, most of the production. 
So I, I like what's going on there. When did he turn into this Draymond Green type forward? What, whenever, when he got out of OKC, that's exactly when he turned into it, Luchi. Went to Indiana and started putting up numbers. And I, I guarantee you OKC is looking back at this now thinking, man, we had James Harden, we had Kevin Durant, we had Russell Westbrook. Shoot, we had Sabonis. We had Reggie Jackson. And I'm not saying Reggie Jackson. A lot of players have come through OKC for everybody to keep calling Sam Presti this magician of a GM and for them to not have any championship deliveries. Can you imagine if they still had Westbrook, Durant, and Sabonis right now? They'd be on their way to close to a championship. But Sam, but Sam Presti's a magician? Don't lie to me, people. Don't lie to me. Clearly, there's a disconnect or a lack of faith in the player development personnel there. Then fire him. Get rid of him because you're absolutely right. We've seen Sabonis put up monster numbers, but he's on this stretch right now that is just kind of surreal. Just looking at his game log, I know there are some overtime games and whatever, but he's won for at least 74 in three of the last five games. And the other two games that were quote-unquote normal games, he had 48 DK points against Sacramento in a game where he only took nine shots from the floor for some reason. And then he had uh, you know walk in the park 55 against Atlanta. So, man, he could very well do it again on Monday. And with all of this ownership in the Atlanta game, you want to play Westbrook. You want to play Trey Young. Boy, if Westbrook doesn't go for 70, is the bonus an interesting pivot here if you get enough exposure from that first game? I definitely think it's interesting. Um, but the caveat is Brogdon, Lamb, th- these guys have got to be out. Like th- They have to be out. If Brogdon comes back and is even on a minutes restriction, I'm not playing anybody right. in Indiana. Right. I'm, I'm with you. And Levert at his price. And by the way, the bounce back for Levert was beautiful last week after he let us down. We had our tissue boxes out, but we said, guys, we're going right back to him tomorrow. And he was a little bit, a little bit overpriced. And there was a lot of chalk at shooting guard. And Levert came in at 5% on the bounce back. And 60 boy, burger. That was fun. That and then another fun. 60 burger against Washington. Don't let recency bias screw you. Go back to the plays you know. Exactly. (laughs) So in a nutshell, Sabonis, got to consider him if Brogdon's out. If Jeremy Lamb plays, I don't don't care as much about that for for Sabonis' sake, but Brogdon is the big motor that's going to make the car go for me. And I do have a hot take for this game. Hot take. This is the Colin Sexton 50-point game. Indiana's been playing no defense. Now, Now, the caveat is I do need Brogdon and Lamb to be out. Right. But Colin Sexton has kind of been, you know, a letdown here against Dallas two games back to back. Trust me, people. Indiana's given up gobs of points to guards right now. Gobs of points to everybody. Colin Sexton, 50 point game. That's my hot take. Um, and he's very affordable on FanDuel. Seventy five hundred. I mean, I, I like this spot for him big time. Yeah, this, this this game, I think, is a good secondary stat out of the early games, because we do have one late that I think is going to be big time. Oh, yeah, I think we're on the same one late, too. I think a lot of people will be. But if this, is a, this is the sneaky stack, I think. I'm with you on that. Let's move on to the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Really sucks for basketball when Zion Williamson's not active. We know he's out. For DFS purposes, like we saw over the weekend, that makes things interesting. Brandon Ingram also did not play Sunday. He is officially questionable for Monday. 
So you have Lonzo Ball, who laid an egg on Sunday. Alexander Walker came back from injury. I don't even know if he had any burn. I got to check on that. Um, yeah, he yeah he played. He's, he was on a minute limit, but he did play. Which opened the door for Eric Bledsoe with Ingram and Zion out. And Lonzo obviously gave up a little bit of ball handling responsibility. I didn't get to watch that game. I had a busy day. But I see the assist count for Bledsoe and just figure he had the ball in his hands quite a bit. So is this a bounce back spot for Lonzo for GPPs? Or are you, you buying what? Bledsoe? Now that you mentioned it, and see, now is where I got to start using my the other side of my brain. Uh, the Pelicans are not getting into the playoffs. They're not getting in. I know they're close. I know they're right there with the Spurs, they're, but they're a game and a half back. Uh, Zion's done for the season. Brandon Ingram, I don't think he's going to play in this spot. I know they won tonight, which is very frustrating for me as a Hornets fan. I don't think the Pelicans are getting into the playoffs. I've got to think that Lonzo Ball is eventually going to be shut down or minutes limited. That's the way I'm going into this game. Um and I know teams want to win, but look, man, what is it going to profit them by getting into a playoff when they don't have Zion? Ingram's going to be, it doesn't make sense. People want to see Zion on this team. I'm just being honest, man. I don't think they're going to try to get in the playoffs per se. Uh, so I, for that reason, I don't think I want to play Lonzo, especially with Nikhil Alexander-Walker back. That's going to probably cut into his minutes some. They still got Kira Lewis Jr. running around in his baby clothes. That's going to cut into his minutes some. I like Lonzo, but but I don't think it's going to be worth it, especially with him being priced up on FanDuel now. Really good theory. And Lewis had a monster game over the weekend, too. Some more weekend NBA stuff happening. I think he dropped 29 FanDuel points against Philly. Yes, he did. Philly just let him in the game. That's what they do, Chief. That's what they do. That's what they do. I think I sent you a message as this was happening, by the way. Did I not do that? I'm I'm pretty sure I sent you a message. Didn't I tell you? I'm like, this is who they are. Watch. Wait, it'll be fine. They'll let them back in. If there's Philly fans listening to this, tweet at me. Let me know, because if you're a Philly fan, you know this is what they do. Big leads evaporate quickly in Philly. So a guy who has been underperforming lately with increased opportunity, Najee Marshall, who a couple of days ago, up to two weeks ago, was awesome for DFS purposes. However, his price tag was min price, and it started creeping up and creeping up, creeping up. He had some monster. I mean, he dropped 40 bombs a couple times. Not so much right now. 5K on DK. I still think he has a 40 bomb in him. I don't know when it's going to be. I'm probably not going to play him on Monday much at all. But James Johnson, 4,600. His role is still solidified. A guy who had a dud over the weekend, but on Sunday played really well. A little bit of a slow start on Sunday, but he had over 30 FanDuel points, I believe, in addition to Jackson Hayes' huge game. But however, Jackson Hayes needed, what, six blocks in a steal to do what he did? Listen, that's not going to happen every game. I get it. The upside's there at his price tag at 4500 Just know what you're signing up for if you're playing Jackson Hayes because you're going to need some peripherals. Um, you know, for him to really, really crush. The, the Pelicans are just an interesting team here, Chief. The crazy thing about Jackson Hayes is I do think he gets at least a block in a game, like at yeah. least a block. Yep, maybe two. The thing about it is he's not starting, and I think that's actually helping him. You're bringing him in against, you know, the second tier lineup when he when he essentially could be starting, and he's just going out there teeing off on people. Like that, that's all he's doing, really. So 
Uh, but I do like Jackson Hayes. He's 5,600 on FanDuel, which, you know, he's just kind of out of consideration for me at that point. James Johnson is 4,400, which I, which I much, you know, I like that price a lot better. The thing about New Orleans is if you stack the secondary pieces on this game, and by secondary, I mean almost everybody except Lonzo, you pretty much had a good outing on Sunday. I mean, Willie Hernan Gomez put up 34 uh, for, I think he was, I don't know, 5,200 or so. Jackson Hayes, another 40 bomb. Uh, James Johnson, 30. And then if you, Eric Bledsoe put up a 50. So all the secondary cheaper pieces came through. Uh, and, I, and I'm expecting that to kind of be the theme of this team, especially if Brandon Ingram doesn't play. And I don't think he's going to play in this game. And 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 hand in hand with your with your shutting down theory, why on earth would you play Steven Adams on Monday? He has this questionable tag. I don't think he's playing. Why would they want to play Steven Adams? Why? Save him. Preserve his value. He's a veteran. He has no business suiting up and risking injury. Willie Hernan Gomez quietly, everybody's talking Jackson Hayes and Bledsoe. Two games in a row, the former Charlotte Hornet has had very solid games. He's 5,700 on DK. Like you said, against Philly, he played 24 minutes, but that's fine. He's a high point-per-minute guy, 33 DK points, and he crushed on Sunday. On Sunday, at 16, 9.16 boards, a block, two steals. I have no problem with paying 5,700 for him, knowing I'm probably going to get a high floor if Steven Adams is out. Yeah, for sure. Monday. Memphis side of the ball, got anything? Nope. I don't want to play anybody from Memphis, not even Ja Morant. Ja is just, man, Jesus. Ja played 36 minutes against Detroit, you know, from a fantasy perspective, did nothing for us. 37 minutes against the Toronto, from a fantasy perspective, did nothing for us. Ja just, the upside is just zapped right now. I'm saying in terms of consistency, I would prefer Ja to get me 40 to 45 every game than to have 60 once every 15 games and all the rest are 20s and 30s. Like, just give me some consistency here. We're not getting that from Ja. I, I just I, I don't want to play anybody from New Orleans on, on this slate. And he I mean, from, no from Memphis, reason. excuse me, from Memphis. Well, I take that back. Excuse me, I lied, Lutz. Jaron Jackson got the start on Saturday, played 25 minutes. 37 fantasy points. He's 5,500 on FanDuel. If he gets to start again, which I don't see any reason why they wouldn't now, 5,500, I'm plugging him in. Plugging him in. 6K on DK, I like it for tournaments. I would think his minutes would only go up and not down at this point. So even if he gets a three- to four-minute bump, I think that's that's okay. And I think you can consider Jackson at 6K for sure. I'm not paying 8,300 for Morant. And it's really disappointing because – there's no reason for him to not be consistently hitting 40 DK points. It took him until the bubble to get super assertive last season, though, if you remember. But here we are, a full calendar year later. Well, okay, not calendar year, NBA basketball season later. And he just isn't doing it. And now Jaron Jackson's back. That whole time, Jaron Jackson, huge usage hog on that team, was out for most of this season. And we've just, yeah, we've seen a 60 burger like once every. 30 days he will be minimally owned on this slate in a great matchup but it'll be minimally owned so these are the kind of slates where i'm willing to take a couple multi-entry shares on him and go over the field but i'm not playing him in single entry not playing him in three max yeah multi-entry for sure i get it but you know me man i get real aggressive in multi-entry i may just hit that x button even if i decide to do it so right but I'm, i'm i'm with you i get it because you you know if he goes and drops a 60 on this on on this slate He's at like optimal. 5%, at 5%. He's optimal. 7K, 60, that's optimal. Even, like, 
for instance, that that might be one of those ones where you you have Westbrook and and Morant on FanDuel, or what if if Westbrook just gets like sixty five? You could overcome not having Westbrook if one of these seven K guys hits sixty and another one hits forty or fifty. Like you can overcome not having Westbrook. I, I legit think Westbrook's going off for seventy here. I, I do. I, I think he's going off for seventy, but but I'm just I'm just giving you the other side of the coin. I trust, trust me. I trust Russell Westbrook a lot more than I trust John Morant to get sixty. Right. That's we're, we're we're talking about an unlikely scenario where John Morant goes off, but it is a, it is an outcome, and those yes. are the types of things that once in a while take down tournaments. More preferential and multi-entry stuff, though, if that's your yes. style. <laughs> Yes. So I'm with you. But I, I think, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, if you for some reason skipped over the beginning, go back because we, as most of the industry, will like that first game. I think there's necessary chalk there and necessary pieces. But like we said, I think there are also ways to get different, like maybe playing a Bogdanovich in a great pace-up spot who's having just a, a great season with Atlanta as well. Yeah. All right. We're moving right along here. Spurs and the Bucks. I just got to be honest. I'm not going to have a lot of this game if there's really no updates on the injury reports. I don't, I just don't, with all the other game environments and with how highly owned Westbrook will be. And if you, if Brogdon's out, then Sabonis, I mean, you're going to, at least on DK, you'll get Giannis at an ownership discount. So I don't mind that if his ownership is projected low. But outside of that, I don't see much here for me, Chief. Uh, Let me say this because you know I'm uh, standings watching. Don't look now. The Bucks win tomorrow. They're going to be tied for t- second in the Eastern Conference. Just, just, just don't look now. Which means, which means if the season ended today and they didn't have the play-in, they'd be playing the Celtics. Now, and look, and here's what I'm saying, Luch. I'm asking myself: Would the Bucks prefer to play the Celtics or the Heat? If I'm the Bucks right now, I'd much rather play the Celtics. No doubt about it. No doubt about I, it. I, I would much rather play the Celtics than the Heat right now. So no doubt about it. No doubt I, about it. I, I think the I think the Bucks are going to play here. I, and look, I, I did expect them to start sitting some guys. I, I don't think they're going to do it right now. They've just won five in a row. I think they're going to go out here and handle business. Not like they're playing some big. They're playing San Antonio, a team that they can beat. They can beat San Antonio. I, I think they go out and try to take care of business here. And let's see if we can get get to the number two seed. And, and here's why this is important. They've just beat Brooklyn twice. So they've got the tiebreaker. They just got to get to the second seed and they're, in, they're number two. I, I think this is a big game for the Bucks. I'm actually very interested in Giannis here. Like very. I, I agree. I'm agree to get, I want to get some leverage on DK. He has an elite stretch on his game log right now. <laughs> Dating back to, I don't know, the 22nd of April against Philly. I mean, he's just been so good. Look at those Philly games. 62 DK points in 35 minutes. 58 DK points in 24 minutes. Atlanta game, 61 DK points in 35 minutes. Charlotte, 64 and a half in 37 minutes. Okay, then the Houston game, he got hurt. Bounce back, had 49 real points. 74 DK points against Brooklyn. They followed that up with a casual 60 DK points against Brooklyn. With all the Wizards, he played only 30 minutes and had 47 DK points in 30 minutes. Then against Houston, he only played 29 minutes and had 48 DK points. So if they want to move up, like you said, and the Spurs can keep this thing close and he plays 36, 37 minutes, 
here's a guy with everybody's healthy. He can still go for 70 DK points. And there's your leverage. There is your leverage. Bottom line on this slate, Giannis is the only guy that can rival Westbrook's upside straight up. I'm saying straight up. Now, Sabonis can get there. With help. Right, right, right. Giannis Giannis can get there because Giannis is going to score more real points, right? And, And on this, look, I'm saying he's the only guy that can rival it. Westbrook is, is, is in such a much better spot because of the matchup, because of the opportunity. Giannis is going to have, he's still going to have Middleton. He's still going to have Drew, but and I'm Mac saying. not as good. Right. It's a right. higher mountain to climb, but he could get there. Right. My point is on this slate, and, and you've already brought it up. I'm just, just, just uh, uh, backing you up on this. Yeah. Giannis is literally, he's the ultimate GPP play on this slate. I, agree. I think he gets left out in the cold. We want to play Westbrook. If all these guys are out in these monster numbers that Sabonis have been putting up, we're going to want to play Sabonis. We're going to want to play Karis LeVert. We're going to want to play Trey Young. We're going to, you see, there's so many other guys we're going to want to play. And that doesn't even include, we haven't even gotten to Steph Curry and Damon, all these guys, and these other good spots. Giannis is getting left out in the cold on this slate, I think. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy GPP leverage you're going to get with him. And then lastly, I will say this. If you're on the mindset, if you think Milwaukee blows out this game, don't forget about our good friend Bobby Portis, people. Like that, that, and that's when I play Bobby Portis. If I get a read on this game and I say, oh, this is a blowout, Bobby Portis goes in my lineup, period. Well, if you want to get real sick, you can make a Giannis team and hope that Atlanta-Washington game blows out and not play Westbrook. It's not the direction I'm probably going to go most of my builds. Westbrook might get 65 in his sleep in this spot. Yeah, he very much so might. And And I'm not exaggerating. And with the FanDuel pricing and position structure typically is, I know Westbrook's 12-4 now in FanDuel, but typically you can fit two high-end studs on nights like Monday, plug in some value guys. You know, you probably need a couple and hit their ceilings and you'll be fine. Is this one of those nights? Can you can you play both on FanDuel? I mean, what that's what twenty three four worth of uh, what's Giannis on FanDuel? I'm sorry, 11, 11, Oh three. wow, I don't I don't think you can get away with both of them. Well, no, I take that back. You can, but you're gonna have to hold on. I'm building right now. Sorry, I'm building live on the air, people. It's okay. I've I've got Westbrook and Giannis. Still got Hachimura, right? I've got Westbrook, Giannis, Hachimura. And I've got an average remaining of fifty one hundred. Well, there you go. You're going to need some ceiling games from some from some of these cheap pieces. But there's a lot of guys in a lot of good spots, and we'll just leave it at that. So it's possible. So what happens? What happens if even more so, power forward? Let's say Brogdon's out. So then everyone's like, let's play Sabonis, and I'm sure he's a couple hundred cheaper than Giannis. I'm guessing on FanDuel. And at this point, it is a couple. It's six hundred. It's not much. That's it. We're not getting a grand discount here. Imagine- the problem is Sabonis is going to play. Sabonis has guaranteed minutes where Giannis does not. But talk about leverage. There it is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Even more <laughs> Absolutely. so if Brogdon gets ruled out because Sabonis becomes that much more attractive. You want to talk about Golden State and Utah? Let's do it. This is going to be a quick one. Yep. All right, I like Steph. I like Steph. Don't mind Joe Ingles. Don't mind Bogdanovich. What's the price on Bogdanovich now? Oh, 6,100. Kent Bazemore is 5,100 in this spot. Getting close. I'm not playing Draymond here at 79. 
and I'm for sure not playing Kevon Looney. It's just Steph Curry for me, basically. Uh, I don't, I don't hate Andrew Wiggins. He's seventy three hundred, but on this slate, seventy three hundred dollar Andrew Wiggins, I don't think it's going to cut it. I think I'm going to need more than seventy three hundred dollar Andrew Wiggins. I am in the same boat as you. I don't really. This is one of my least favorite games. Yeah. So I'm good. It's it's multi enter shares of Curry for me. Not paying seventy seven hundred for Clarkson and DK. Not paying sixty six for Bogdanovich on this slate, and he's very scoring dependent. We get it. We had one ceiling game where he dropped a ton of real points to get there, and that's what he has to do typically. Not doing sixty six hundred on this slate for for single entry or three max. I'm with you. That's that's basically it for me. And it's not even like it's I'm a rush to give you no analysis or anything. But I don't think there's yeah. anything else to to analyze after all these other guys in decent spots we talked about. Yeah, hot take though. I do think the Warriors win this game outright. Hot take. That's fair. That's probably not much of a hot take because Utah's down bodies and they've struggled with Golden State, maybe outside of one game with everybody healthy. So I do think Golden State wins this game outright. I'm I'm gonna say whatever the line is tomorrow, I don't think Golden State's gonna be favored. I would take whatever is Golden State plus whatever. I, I think they win this game, period. Just moving forward here, at what point does Kelly Olinick get shut down, Chief? Uh, well, can they shut him down is, is the question. <laughs> They've already shut down John Wall, right? We know David Nawaba's not coming back. I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is coming back. He, he, I mean, why, why would they keep playing him? He's kind of part of the future. Eric Gordon, he's done for – like, he's not going to play anymore. Uh, like, can, can they shut him down? Like, if Christian Wood misses this game, he might as well miss the rest of them. Just go ahead and get your ankle healed up. Um Maybe I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, but but I, I think if Kelly Olynyk can play, I think he's going to play. He's been playing really well too. Really, yeah. really good. I mean, I played Kelly Olynyk at eighty one hundred. He put up fifty fantasy points. I mean, it's just this role he has right now is very unique. It is. It is. Shock DJ Augustine was absolutely horrific. He didn't play any of the fourth quarter against Utah. This was on, what was it, Friday? Saturday. Yeah, Kyrie Thomas comes in the game and drops 56. Saturday. Augustine started and played 18 minutes. Here are the rest of the starters' minutes. 29, 36, 31, 39. They had eight bodies. DJ Augustine, 18 minutes. Kyrie Thomas played 33 minutes and put up 56 fantasy points. Welcome to late season. NBA. No, and that, that, that's weekend late season NBA. Let, let's put the full stank on it. The full stank on it. Well, Kyrie before, Thomas, where in the world did he come from? Well, his debut, he played 23 minutes against Milwaukee and had 30 DK points. So the kid can play. He is a, this, this is an interesting late night hammer, my man, with some of these guys. I mean, are we, we going to get Kyrie Thomas with ownership here? Like that feels like what it is. It feels like Kyrie Thomas' ownership is coming. Is We're going to have some Kyrie Thomas ownership. The crazy thing about these Houston guys is they're all playing 30-plus minutes. Listen to this, Luke. Like, just listen to these numbers. Kenyon Martin Jr. played 39 minutes, put up 48 fantasy points. He's 7,100, okay? Jason Tate played 29 minutes, put up 39 fantasy points. All right, Daquan Jeffries. Somebody's got to have low scores, right? 
36 minutes, 37 fantasy points. Anthony Lamb, 31 minutes. Oh, here we go. Seven fantasy points. Okay. Remember, Daniel House, did he play? Yes, 18 minutes, 13 fantasy points. Can't play him right now. Kyrie Thomas, 33 minutes, 56 fantasy points. Armani Brooks, you're thinking, okay, Armani, this is our Mr. Letdown. 33 minutes, 27 fantasy points. He was only 4,500. That worked out perfectly. And then we have Mr. DJ Augustine, 18 minutes, five fantasy points. Look, man. If you can guess the Houston value right on the on the Russian roulette wheel of Houston Rockets value, you're going to be sitting pretty at the end of the night. This is how you get to play Giannis and Westbrook right here. Th- these are these are the moments you play. Da- you take Daquan Jeffries. You take the, you take Kyrie Thomas. That's how you're going to get them in. This is it. Let me let me hear some price discrepancies. What are these guys on Fanduel? Okay. Let's do it. Let's go tit for tat here. Tit for tat. I like it. This is our tit for tat segment. You go first, Luch. Let's hear it. All right. I'll start with – I'll go high to low. Okay, so, let's do it. Christian Woods questionable, whatever, 8,700. Yeah. My guess is he doesn't play. Kevin Porter, 8,200 is out. Kelly Olenek, we don't know. We've seen him have this sticker shock, and he's just continued to crush. And Kelly O didn't play Saturday, which is big, because that's why all these other guys were able to crush. Yeah. So let's just put that out there. And Jay Sean Tate played. He wasn't – we weren't sure if he was going to play, and he had 41 DK points, which is kind of nuts against Utah. So if Kelly Olenek is out again, that's what opens the door for a lot of this. And Daniel Howe still coming back from injury. They're not in a rush to – what do they got to do for? Nothing. Nothing. So you're right. So let's get to the – Interesting guys here. Jay Sean Tate, 6,500. I get it. I get it. What's KJ Martin Jr. on FanDuel? 7,100. All right. 6,200 on DK. I mean, if Kelly O is out, the problem is this game is at 10. So we're going to be sitting on pins and needles again. Maybe but not. Maybe not. Well, let's hope not. Over the weekend, we sure were. Let's see if he goes uh, for shoot around. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so, so I'll play him at sixty two hundred if Kelly owes that, and I'll play him at seventy one hundred. I mean, he's pretty much been putting up forties. Like you just take you, you take your chance. We talked. This is beautiful because we talked about this two to three weeks ago. Man, Houston, get some of these young guys going. KJ Martin's good. He's got talent. But here we go. They're doing. They're kind of. Uh, they're tanking and stinking the right way. They're getting looks at these guys. Getting looks at Kyrie Thomas. Everybody loved DJ Augustine over the weekend. He played 18 minutes. Well, I tell you what, what good is it playing DJ Augustine right now in May when you're completely out of it? No good reason. Right. Maybe he quote-unquote starts again and plays 20 minutes, and that's it, bringing Kyrie Thomas. Good game, right? There it is. That's it. GG, as the cool kids say. So there's a big price discrepancy. Martin on DK and FanDuel. All right, what's Kyrie Thomas over there? 4,800. 5,500. You see? You see, I'm telling you, I mean, and it's no secret. Everybody's going to identify that Kyrie's been dropping these bombs. But I think the caveat for me is I do think Olenek needs to be out. The real Kyrie. The real Kyrie. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Uh, Kyrie, if you're listening to this podcast, both Kyries, don't hate us, okay? It's just a fantasy podcast. (laughs) But really, Sixers and Six. Um, Anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm still interested at 5,500. And I, 
if Olenek plays, are you still interested in Kyrie, who's a guard here? How much does that complicate Kyrie? I don't know. See, he played 22 minutes against Milwaukee, 33 against Utah. I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish here. What I do know is we haven't talked about the other side of this game. They are playing Portland, and I'm not afraid of Portland in terms of defense. Oh, no. This game could very well be close all the way through. Um, And I wasn't saying that for us to get on Portland players, but uh, I I think you roll the dice with Kyrie. At worst, maybe you get 20 fantasy points out of him. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that. So what's what's Armani Brooks on FanDuel? He's 4,800 on DK. 45. Oh, man. Played 33 minutes against Utah, dropped 27. You know, in terms of taking a tournament down, I feel like if if I'm interested in Kyrie and I'm interested in Brooks, I feel like I I will probably set my build rules to have no more than one of them just because I want, I'm hoping one of them have a monster game in, you know, that are handling the ball a little bit more. They could both get there at those prices, but, you know, to take something down, you just need more than getting there. So if I'm multi entering, that's probably going to be one of my build rules. Uh, Anthony Lamb, 4,100. I probably like him the least out of this group. He's shown the least, you know, usage wise and things like that. So he's 4,100 on DK. Probably like him the least out of some of those young guys we just talked about. Excuse me. Yeah, he's forty three hundred on Fanduel, so okay. definitely, I think you know, and, and he's at small forward. Small forwards, I feel like it's a little bit more stacked than shooting guard today. So, I mean, you got Middleton, you got Bogdan, you got Gallinari, Ingles, Bogdanovich, Kyle Anderson, uh, you know, uh, Rui Hachimura. Like, I, I feel like we've got more options. We, you're gonna have access to Najee Marshall, Keldon Johnson's forty five hundred. I know we said we're not we're gonna play much from that game, but I'm just saying we've got so many more options at small forward. Like, just we don't need Anthony Lamb in our player pool. No, I agree. I think Martin at 62 is an interesting spot here if we get any word on Olenek. And I think Tate at 6,500, I don't think anybody's going to want to play him, but he's flashed 40-plus point upside before he's done it and he's playing Portland. And if Kelly Olenek is also out and Jay Sean Tate's still a very young player, he feels like an elder statesman on this roster, you know, with all the newbies <laughs> still coming in by the week. But we forget how young this guy is too, and they still want to get a look at him. So – I think at 6,500, Jay Tate will be probably minimally owned, honestly, at 6,500 and this being 10 o'clock. So I think he's super interesting, too. A lot of pieces in this game. It's, it's going to be messy if we don't get news by luck. Be a lot of late swapping, a lot of guys in other spots as the night goes on. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I'm looking at this build, and I told you, you know, I was kind of looking. I'm, I'm experimenting with the Westbrook, uh, you know, Giannis build, and maybe I don't get there because I do, I do still value Trey Young on this slate. So I might not end up with Giannis, but I'm telling you right now, like these Houston value pieces, I think are, these are going to be the guys that drive the slate for us. I think. I'm with you. I'm with you. I still like that Washington Atlanta game, the stack, a lot of pieces. Outside of Hachimura, it gets really dicey though. Yeah, Bertans has killer upside. Yeah, Gafford, we've seen him do it with the steals or blocks. We've seen Neto's upside. But if the right news breaks and we don't get Olenek and we don't get Christian Wood, like you know the solidified roles and usage of some of these guys. They're going to run eight guys again potentially, right? And yeah. there's no alpha on this unit. The alpha is Jayshon Tate probably. But really it could be any one of these guys on a given night because – Hey, when you, even if you have eight guys that are sharing the ball, you know, they're all getting up shots and none of them are over 6,500. 
if Olena can border out. So they don't need 20 shots. Yeah. I actually want Olenek to play, though. I want Olenek to play so I can play him. Uh, him, Kenyon Martin Jr., and sprinkling some of these other guys. I've, I've got a build I'm working on right now. I love it. I think it's – I think we can get there. I've got four guys from Houston right now. Four. Well, we just covered a uh, six-gamer, which we turned into a lot of rabbit holes and – shenanigans but i think it was all good talk some strategy talk some build rules and uh our nba night is still going and it was a weird sunday night slate but i had another pretty good mlb day sundays have been treating me pretty well chief i think two of the last five sundays i've hit 10k i played dk today and uh the, the grom chalk i played the uh the 254 max on dk the ball four it's called 20k to first and i came in second uh, there's a lot of chalk today i don't know if you played mlb but the grom was 70 percent in this gpp kyle Hendricks was 49 percent, and uh, he did not pitch well and i actually uh, i played two lineups and on the on my team that came in second i split i, I like tyler anderson in that game the conditions were great for pitching no one was talking about anderson and he's been pretty rock solid this year so um, you know, that that was an interesting build. And I had uh, Urman Mercedes at 1%. And he uh, hit a nice three-run bomb. So Anderson got pulled in the eighth. I thought he was going to come out for a ninth. And if he would have got through that ninth inning, I would have took it down. But it's all good. And Green is good. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to Stevie doing the MLB, my morning grind. And uh, Roto Grinders, we just have so many people doing great content. It's, it's hard to keep up with. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed or fully used all the tools and all the databases and listen to all the personalities we have, because there's a million reasons to play one guy or build one lineup one way or the other. Eventually, you got to make your own decisions. But we have a lot of people that can steer you in the right direction. And a big shout out to Superdraft. Great sponsor. You don't have to worry about salaries on Superdraft. It's all about their multipliers angle that they have. Play whoever you want. Just worry about the multipliers. Get on over there to Super Draft, promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. So, yeah, looking to carry this momentum over for the rest of the week. I love MLB momentum, and we'll see what happens with this Houston value on Monday night because it'll be very pivotal if we get any news before lock. Sure, man. I mean, it, it's going to be a big it, – it's always going to be a big news slate until we we get into the playoffs, so – I'm with you. I'm, I'm trying to get some things together right now to make sure that uh, I'm ready to roll. GPP, food of the day, the good stuff. And I'm wondering if you have anything. It's, it's Sweet Tooth Monday, man. I, I know. I know. How many sweet teeth you got, man? You ready? You got this? As, listen, I, I've always got something up the sleeve. And I'm going to go, this is going to be a good down south uh, uh, table placemat for us. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking peach cobbler. Peach cobbler, man, a down south delicatessen. Uh, I said delicatessen, which is really a deli, but uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Anyway, it's good from down south. And I'm talking about that good cobbler where they've got the crust under and on top can't, can't get enough crust. Right. And then they've yeah. got the, the cinnamon 
it's sugar inside and the cinnamon on top. Oh man. I like breaded cobblers, by the way. And what I mean by breaded is I like a lot of crust. I don't I, I want I want bread or crust in each bite. I don't want a whole lot of just filling and peaches. I want the crust. I want the breading. I want to taste it. I'm excited, man. Peach cobbler. Justin, what you got? Well, this is a a, a out of the box kind of thing here, but uh, we were visiting some family further out in the middle of nowhere in a outside of a little town called Boyertown. And I don't know if you listen to my podcast, but I have a border collie who's like one, one and a half years old now. And she's awesome. And I found out there's a, a, can, a bakery called Canine Acres Bakery in Delhi. You walk in this place, you think it's for people. They had every kind of treat for your dog you can imagine. I mean, jerky, you know, whether it's lamb, chicken, whatever. But then they had L-shaped glass cabinets or not cabinets but windows in front of the counter where the workers were as if you were in a real deli with things you could buy by the pound and they were all freshly made i mean i got this peanut butter popcorn they call it that i opened it and i almost started eating it because it smelled so good it was like popcorn for your dog and uh yeah we got all kinds of traits i got like these waffles i mean it was just unbelievable what you can find locally not only for humans but for your canine friends too so uh, we we spoiled her this week, and that was cool. You know, I like to support local. You know, nothing against the chain places. Every now and then, you got to go to your pet smart or whatever. You know, you just need stuff. You know, for your dog or your animal. But you know, whenever you see a, a local, uh, you know, business doing stuff like this and helping out your uh, pets and your four legged friends, it's cool to support. And the stuff was fresh. You know, you you pick up dog treats or whatever sometime, and they're like they're hard. I got her these uh, hemp and honey cookies because she's like a super high strung dog. And it, it, I like, I didn't have to do anything to break Did it you up. Did you get I your mean, dog high? She, no, I don't think you can get that dog high. She is like, she's like the general of the house. She's a herding you said, dog. You said hemp dog. honey cookies. Hemp and honey. Yeah, there's a little bit of hemp in it. And, and they got like crazy CBD treats for dogs and all this stuff like that. But I gave her one. She liked it. And uh, she was just like a nut running around the yard and it didn't seem to phase her. So uh, that was cool. Canine Acres Bakery in Delhi. Shout out to like what, what all you guys do. They had custom cakes for dogs inside of these dog bowls with like bones. That said, like, <laughs> Happy birthday. You know, you go to like uh, the supermarket, you go to Weiss or something. Hey, can I get a birthday cake? Yeah. What's their name? I'll write it on. They do that for dogs. So that was cool. You mentioned, uh, you know, Peach Cobbler in my mind thought of the bakery trip we went on. For our dog, <laughs> but that's, that's crazy. That is crazy. That's where I'm at. Ah, sweet tooth Mondays. Can't get enough. Ah, can't get enough. Yola, babe. Yep, that's uh, Barry White. For those of you that are that are uh, listening, there we go. We gotta get. We gotta start like doing some tests, like some food, you know, like some contests or something on here once in a while we gotta get yeah we gotta get some submissions any recipes or anything we could you know give it a shot or something like that let's get the let's place this baby up you know listen man we we need to uh you know dan i know dan listens to the pod from time to time we've got we've got to start getting some some deals with hello fresh like hook us up we're eating we're talking about food we need it hello fresh we'll That's definitely cool. talk about some food we'll be real with it too we will be the critics you know, have a little critic yes, session. Absolutely. But it's always good. It's always a pleasure, Chief. Good to have you back on. And big shout out to Dre for filling in 
last week coming off a monster week. Can't wait to see what the guy does for the rest of NBA season. And, uh, you know, very intelligent tournament player. And it was cool to have him on. We talked about the Barkley Center a little bit and some other stuff. So looking forward to working with Dre a little bit more in the future, too. And uh, that's about it. Chief, got any final thoughts on Monday's NBA sleep before we head out of here? Negativo. I'm good. All right. Well, everyone, for Chief Will Priester, we'll be back on Thursday morning. I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great day. And, of course, good luck.